It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Um, last week, I had talked about the on the free ebook that is available on my website, loupaget.com, L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T.com. And it was all of the things that I have learned over, you know, in the 15 years, almost 20 years that I've been doing seminars and presentations in the area of sexuality and particularly technique. And one of the things that people will often ask me, and this is sort of a continuation of this, is how do I have, you know, I'm, I'm going back into the dating world or I want to try something new with my partner. How do I introduce new? And I have a, a friend of mine who he's creating a new, it's a form of a new, um, uh, what's the best way to describe this, awareness for men. And the thing that he talked about is when all of the Me Too stuff first started, he was like, he realized, oh my gosh, I am that guy. And he said, it at first was kind of like mortifying for him. And then he realized, oh, this is what he had been programmed and cultured to do. Now, how he started doing it actually, um, was that Michael had done classes with guys who uh, consider themselves to be pickup artists, PUAs. And so their whole thing is to, you know, to demean women, to um, their biggest, the biggest thing that they sold Michael on was, we know that you're a horny young guy. And what we're going to do is we're going to make it so that you will be able to have as many women in your bed as is possible. And the, one of the biggest things that they do is they constantly are pressuring the woman. So even if she's saying, I'm not really interested, they just keep pushing and pushing. And he said, I didn't realize, and one of the terms he used, um, Michael used was that he wasn't hearing the soft nose. I happen to, I like that term. But what he also did is he said, you know what? I need to, I just feel like, I don't think I'm the only guy who, because she didn't say flat out no, and then, you know, storm out the door, that he said, I'm quite sure that there were times when I was that guy who was 
pressuring women. So we had spoken last week. He uh, sent me the outline that um, he had made of this presentation, and it's really good. But the thing that I said to him, I said, Michael, what happens? You know, you're talking about people who are single here. What happens if someone's doing something in a long-term relationship and they don't want the partner to continue doing it? A way of touching, um, a way of kissing or, or speaking. And, you know, someone wants to talk dirty and the other person is really turned off by it. But what I said is, you know, there has to be another way of having these conversations. So b before I go into, you know, some of the other stuff that I'd um, already spoken about. So when I asked, I said, you know, Michael, when I deliver information to people, one of the most crucial things I tell them is if you're going to have a conversation, you're new to dating and let's say, you know, you have an STI, a sexually transmitted infection, and you know, you may not have had an outbreak. Let's say it, it's herpes. You may not have had an outbreak for, you know, 15 years. But, you know, virally, your system still has it, and you probably would feel, I, I do feel I need to tell this person. Well, that is, so when do you have those conversations? And honestly, from an NLP standpoint, neuro-linguistic programming standpoint, you need to have them face-to-face, -face, and you need to have them, and this is what I told Michael, when you're trying to, you know, ask about something or share something or, you know, give some feedback on something, do it when you are vertical, not when you are horizontal. Do not get to the point where, oh, um, someone might say, oh, yes, I'm on birth control. You have no idea. You truly have no idea. And you're in that moment of, you know, lust, you know, all the little hormones get carried away. Then what do you do, right? So I tell people, have the conversation beforehand. And the real thing you're going to be looking for, watch their eyes. Okay. If their eyes start darting around, they're trying to find a place to find an answer. They are looking for, how can I um, get out of this? If they start crossing their arms over the front of their body, this is someone who is not interested in listening to, they've already made up their mind about what's going on. If they start shifting and sort of moving back and leaning up against something, chances are in their mind they've already made up their idea of, of how, excuse me, hmm, they're going to respond to you or there's, there's nothing new as far as they're concerned. When you are trying to have one of those, you know, tough conversations, and it's especially difficult if there's something about your body that you're not all, you know, you don't feel 100% about. Maybe you have a scar somewhere. Most people have something about their body that makes them feel self-conscious. Um, there may have been, you know, I remember one woman who, she was about to go on her first date with this man who did become her husband. And she was a hugely well-known celebrity. And so much so that when I was at her home, um, it happened to be on the water, um, she said, oh, I, I'm going to have to close the blinds here. And I said, okay. Now, 
she was on top of a hill away from where the water was but she also said look i know how long those lenses are and how much they can pick up so even in her own home you know people were trying to take pictures of her and trust me this is this was like 20 years ago anyway she is meeting this man for the first time and she was getting very flustered and i said what and now understand i don't know her um she's known for being quite difficult to deal with <laughs> but i was brought in by her friend who said i need you to speak to so and so she you know you need to give her some pep talk because she's you know starting this new relationship so i went through some things with her and she just kept getting more and more agitated i said what is what's going on and she said well what happens if if things get to a certain point and and then and then i have to take my clothes off i said okay um well if you are interested in this person chances are that is likely going to happen what makes you think you wouldn't want to take your clothes off and she said well i have i I'm, i'm just so embarrassed about i i have stretch marks and i said right may i ask you a really simple question she said yeah and i said what's the thing that you love most in your life and i happened to know it was her child and she said so and so and i said right now can i point out that those stretch marks are the result of creating the thing that you love most in this world why would you have a problem with that and if you were with some guy and some man who has a problem with that dump his sorry ass i said don't you think twice if this person has that statement or that attitude if this person is only interested in you because you have a taut firm stomach well then have him go and find someone who's 1925 and never had a child this is your body and that's how you're interacting with him understand one thing when you are being intimate with someone it is your body saying what words cannot and that's pretty powerful so you want to be comfortable you want to feel confident and when you are asking questions you need to be able to ask them in a way that really has you feel that you're in the driver's seat you know like if you are stroking someone's arm ask them um lighter or softer do you want it more circles what would you like because for most people when they're being touched by someone they create people can't tickle themselves we know that right so the thing that happens is when you touch someone you literally create an electric connection between them because we are wet cell batteries that's what we are right and when you touch you create a connection and a pathway of energy if you've ever worked with anyone who is a hands-on energy healer you will know what i mean and i think there are a number of people who go into the areas of um massage and physical therapy because they do truly have that gift excuse me just taking a sip of water there so i said to her look when you're touching ask him to guide you with one word not you know i don't like this or you know i prefer this and the thing that makes it easiest for you 
is when you know the only thing you want to do is make this person feel good, right? So, you know, when you are asking questions and you're getting feedback from someone, you want to be able to know that they can tell you exactly what's going on. We're coming up to our first break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about questions that you can ask yourself to make sure that you're ready to be in a relationship or to change the relationship that you're already in. Roy's taking care of this and here come the tunes. with Lou on TogiNet with your host Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. with a cutting edge. that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all kringle-krangled and jitterty-jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I just happened to be writing down. I'm going to be doing a presentation tomorrow uh, for uh, an online uh, seminar group that is being put together. So I'm going to be borrowing from some of my uh, information 
that I deliver when I do my UCLA class. And then we're going to come back and talk about, you know, the questions to um, ask yourself or, or, you know, someone if you're going into a new relationship or, you know, you uh, want to change one that you're in. And one of the things that, because this is going to be targeting a, they're saying oh, 25 to 45, but I'm thinking that it's going to be skewing much younger. Like, for example, when they used to talk about when Cosmo magazine was so exceptionally popular, they would say that it was from, you know, uh, 17 to 45 or something. It skewed very young, very young. And actually at the time, uh, this would have been uh, the middle of, this would be in 2002, 2000. And I remember being in the boardroom of Cosmo with Kate White, who was the editor in chief. And they were at the, the um, all of the editors at Cosmo were firing all kinds of questions at me. And I said, may I ask you a question then? And they said, sure. And I said, where is, who is your biggest demographic? And they said, you know, it was the younger girls. But they, then she also shared that their, they were, Cosmo was the number one purchase magazine on college campuses by men. And I thought, interesting, this is, you know, pre, uh, mobile phones, pre-PDAs and all of that. But that was because they wanted to find out what women wanted to know. So they were going to the place where women went. Smart idea, right? So going back to, and this is one of the things that I just thought of for tomorrow's presentation. Many times people, when they're going into a new relationship, someone will try and pressure them based on what they like. And, you know, particularly if there's you know, so there might be a little bit of a, um, you know, the emotional uh, hijacking of someone who's younger, who doesn't have, a, you know, a real awareness of, of boundaries. And the thing that um, I say to people is, look, if someone's going to try and pressure you to do something with your body or your look that is permanent and you're not sure about it, I would, I would actually go and speak to someone, you know, who you can bounce this off of. Because if you're with some guy who says, I, I don't want to have sex with you unless you laser off all of your pubic hair. Well, can I point out that that's permanent? And then let's say this lasts for six months, then that's over. Then you are out with someone who really likes pubic hair and likes to have, you know, its style. Actually, pubic hair in and of itself is has a completely different feel to it. The, the nerve endings of the hairs are very different than, you know, the just the, the nerve endings on the skin. And all you have to do to try that is just gently, you know, wave your fingers over top of your arm and, you know, the little teeny tiny hairs on your arm will give you a feeling and sensation that's completely different than touching your skin, right? So... That's one of the things I will speak about tomorrow about, you know, pressure should not be about, you know, a permanent body change. Now, here's the questions. Last week I talked about, you know, the life lessons and I finished with two that I think are really important. Acknowledge the people who have helped you. Let's say you're going into a new relationship um, or you're wanting to change things in your current relationship. Acknowledge people who have supported you, you know, who have said, you know, you know, it's time for you to, 
be doing something or you're making the right choices now and thank them, okay? Because when you show gratitude, guess what shows up for you? Gratitude. So as I said at the final point, mind your manners, say thank you, and be ethical. And when I say be ethical, I mean enough of this thing where people say, oh, I'm going to repurpose this information. You know what? The BS meter just went off. You just stole it. That is called theft. Create your own. And don't try and come up with, well, I'll just repurpose. Don't. Just don't do it, okay? Karmically, it's going to haunt you, believe me. So when you are meeting someone new or you're wanting to put yourself out there, here are some, you know, developmental questions to ask yourself or ask your friends who know you really well. And the first question is, what do they think that you do? And I'm going to go over these again so you can write them down and you don't have to worry. What do they think you do on a day-to-day activity? Do they think you go to an office? Do they think you function in a managerial capacity? Do they think that you're a creative artist? What is it that they think you do? Okay, that's one. Number two, what do they believe you do? That question is directed towards who do you impact? And when, you know, when you think about what do, you know, what do I do on a day-to-day basis? I'll use me as the example. Well, I spend a lot of time reading things. I am contacting colleagues um, on a regular basis, bouncing questions off of them, putting together, you know, ideas of uh, uh, right now some small eBooks, being, you know, uh, trying to stay on top of a number of different online courses that I'm part of. So that would be my day-to-day activity. In you know, so because here's what you also want to do. You want to be able to be with someone who is a match for what you do, right? Or is a match entrepreneurial or personally for what you do. Now, what do they believe that you do? So in answer to who do I impact? Well, I impact a fair number of people. And that's an ongoing thing, uh, mainly because of my five books. And they are, you know, Online, two of them are audio, but what they are is where a person can go and ask questions anonymously. And that is one of the biggest things where many people, they want to be able to get information for them, but that doesn't, you know, where they're not going to be judged. And, you know, I have spoken with a friend of mine about potentially creating a online service because many times in whether it's hospitals or therapy or something people can't people don't know how to ask the questions and take a proper uh, sexual health history they just don't anyway so who do you who do they believe you know what do they believe you do I think I have a pretty good idea of what the impact is but you know what I don't really because I just got a question today from a woman in England, who said, I bought your book, are you going to be coming to England to do seminars? Probably not, but I can certainly, you know, put her in, you know, to uh, direct her to where I think she should go. Now, 
here's some of the questions. What do they believe you don't do? Okay, so what don't I do? I don't um, have a therapy office. I don't um, do sex therapy. I do sex education. I um, don't, I, you know, I will, I have done couples counseling, but that is, that is a unique and rare thing that I would do. I don't do it very often. And the reason I don't do it very often is because when it comes to the area of sexuality, most couples don't tell the truth in front of one another. They just don't. They want to, but they don't. And whether they think they're going to get judged, it's true. Or, you know, they think they should know more. And, you know, that's what I call, that's the psychic sex thing. Don't practice psychic sex. That means the person is supposed to be able to read your mind and figure out what you like. You need to guide them. You do not get in a car and say, well, now you could, I suppose, you know, with artificial intelligence. But your car doesn't know where you want to go until you give it direction, right? A little different than a human being, but you get my drift. And here is the... Last question of the four. What do they believe you should do? Now, this is where you might hear some things that might be a little ouchy. Um, I know when people have told me, it's been kind of like, oh, wow. Uh, and I felt like, wow, I've, I've been letting people down and I haven't been as forthright and as organized as I should possibly be. But what they said is that you need, they need to have more of you. And as one person said, if they knew you, you would be the only person they would be going to. Okay. But it really boils down to being able to be more public. And I tend to be actually for myself private. Uh, the information I deliver isn't private because it's not mine. <laughs> so I, I have no problem with that. But if it is something that, um, so I had to struggle with that one. So question number one is, what do they think you do? Or you can answer this for yourself. What do you think you do? Question two, what do you believe you do? Who are the people that you are impacting? And number three, what do they believe you don't do? Okay, that's a little tougher. And, you know, because they, they may see an area where they think you should be doing this because you're just so good at it. And sometimes we don't see that ourselves. And the final thing, number four, in the new relationship, in the new place that you're going, what do they believe you should do? And when you put those together, you're going to see, you know, it's almost like giving yourself another birthday present. So we are coming down to our next break. You can check this out on my free ebook on loopadget.com and here come the tunes i'll be right back after this this is sex 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Celebration of what would have been author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl's 100th birthday, Oxford University Press has published the Oxford Roald Dahl Dictionary. The dictionary is both authoritative and a little bit mischievous and includes everyday words plus those invented by Dahl for his books. One of my favorite words from the dictionary is Zazimus. That is what the big friendly giant calls the stuff that dreams are made of, which he whisks with his magical egg beater. Roald Dahl loves the letter Z, which he uses in his mystical words like fizz-whizzing, zip-fizzing, and zunk. By now, you might be feeling a bit biff-squiggled. That's another word for confused or puzzled. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You can have the best trainer in the world design an exercise program for you, but if you don't do it, it's not worth anything. You can join the most expensive fitness club in town, but if you don't go and exercise, it is worthless. To be a success in any exercise program, you must be consistent. It's the steady, constant exerciser who makes fitness and activity a lifestyle that excels and succeeds. Sometimes our busy schedules seem to prohibit us from exercising every day. So many people only work out one to two days a week and push themselves so hard that their intensity is too high. Even though this type of workout makes them feel good mentally, it is not the best way to exercise. It is better to moderately exercise in some form every day. Consistency is the key to exercise success. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, before the break, I was talking about the questions that you can ask yourself or have a friend ask you to give you more insight into what you're doing in a relationship, what you are, you know, what you're focusing on. Because when we realize, I think, what is the comment? There's a gentleman by the name of Darren Hardy who does uh, an entrepreneurial training. And what's the comment? It's like 95% of what you do during the day is operated by your subconscious. So in order to click open what's going on, you need to have access to what's in your subconscious because it's running the whole show. You may think your brain's doing it, but it's not. And there's tapping that, you know, um, it is a tapping technique, um, uh, Callahan technique, Craig technique, uh, there's a number of different names for them. They all sort of, you know, are the same thing. And what you were doing is you're tapping on the end of neural uh, uh, receptors 
that can reset your conscious subconscious brain. And another thing, some of you may have know this, where if you are, if you've ever done any um, testing work and you know you swing something or you are, you know, you might do your fingers. Some people do that. If you keep getting answers that you know are you're getting a negative answer to something you know is positive, then what you have to do is what they call the cross crawl. So you would take your right arm and switch it over to the knee of your left knee, and then you would do the same thing back. And what that really does, it's, it's almost like resetting the two um, areas of your brain. And what it does is it literally flips the switch. So now you will get um, positive information a little bit of an aside here but so when you are going into this new relationship and you're or you're wanting to create something new with it one of the things I always tell people please do not practice psychic sex I made this comment before I do feel like I'm you know screaming out the windows on occasion because many times people don't hear this one and what that really means is don't expect the person to know what you want unless you've told them. And I remember having a, a gentleman who was in my class. Well, he actually came for a private session. He was at the time early 60s. He had been widowed for, gosh, I guess about four years. And he was getting back into the dating world. And he, I was showing him the swirl, which is instead of just doing a straight, you know, stroke up and down an arm, you do a wave to it. And it is a completely different sensation uh, because the nerves are not expecting what's going to be happening. If you're doing a straight stroke, even if you're having a massage, your body knows sort of how to anticipate that. But if it's a swirl or an unusual pattern, your nerves are much more aware. And I remember, um, him saying to me, oh, I wish I had known this 40 years ago. I would have loved to have done this with my wife. And, you know, it was just something as simple as touching. And, you know, at, at a certain point, we are now, we're at a point in our culture where touching is not only problematic, it is becomes a legal issue. And... There are things that, you know, you don't want to necessarily, you can say, and I will always, if I'm in public with someone, I'll say, may I just adjust your collar for you? And it's easier for women to do it to men. You know, if I'm standing behind a man, I say, excuse me, may I adjust your collar? Um, Because I, you know, it's off a little bit. And they'll, and, and invariably, this is if we're going into a presentation place. And I mean, I would want someone to fix something that I couldn't see. So they're, you know, often like, oh, uh, certainly. And I'll go, there you go. Now you're perfect. Thank you. And then I just go on my way. Um, when you are wanting to adjust something, make sure you always look for what works first, right? The things that, and here's what you can do. If someone is doing something you don't particularly like, Let's say you're not being kissed the way you want, okay? What you can do is kiss them the way you like with 
your, you know, the right amount of tongue or the smaller amount of lip or like little nibble on the lip or whatever it is you might do. And then say to them, oh, I just love kissing. Because I will tell you, it is one of the number one ways that gets people's motors running, particularly women. And when, and, but you don't want to shut someone down. So what you can do is also hold someone by the back of their head, you know, hands on either side of the cheek and hold them like that. That way you can guide them more easily. And for most women, the first time someone kisses them like that, it's like, oh my God, that was awesome. No, so whether you are into, you know, same sex, different sex, or no sex, whatever it may be, there are ways for you to guide someone to touch you the way that you want. So kiss them, tell them how much you love being kissed, kiss them again, then say, can you show me what it's like to be kissed by me? That way, you've shown them what you like, and then they can just repeat that back for you. And then it can be fun, it can be interplay, but it's also, oh, and anytime you're doing something, you're a beginner. And here's the thing about being a beginner. Beginners are not expected to know. They aren't. And if you are with someone new or if you're trying something new with a partner, you know, yeah, it might be a little nervous. It might be a little uncomfortable, but beginners are not expected to know. They get, you know, they get that free pass of I'm learning. And I will tell you also the best partners that people have had have not been the best bodies. They have not been the best looks. What they have been is the people who are the most into them and the people who were so attentive to them. And you cannot, I, and I know some people that have said to me, oh yeah, um, I remember being with this woman who was incredibly beautiful, but she didn't do anything. She just lay there. And I said, oh, so she thought everyone should do something for her. He said, that's about it. And yet when we talk about a beginner and not expected to know, I worked with another woman who she had been mainly with men, and but she was now with a woman, and her partner had only exclusively, so she was a, you know, she was a dyed-in-the-wool, you know, uh, lesbian, and she really liked particular things. So this woman wanted to know, what do I need to know um, about going down on a woman? And when I first started my, my gentleman seminar, and that was part of the questions, <laughs> my older sister is gay. So I called her up and I said, Sherry, I need to know what I need to know about how to perform cunnilingus, how to perform oral sex on women. So she walked me through some things. Then what I did is I started asking all of the women that I knew, what's the good things that people had done. Then I asked, you know, other part, their partners, if it was woman or man. 
and because I needed to get a range of things that people liked to try. And one of the things that often people would not would, would do is that they would use um, porn as their education tool. And porn, oral sex, is not the oral sex that works. And I'll use the example of a woman who I was working, uh, her boss was someone I uh, was ordering a product from and she did terrific gift baskets that I would uh, send to people for, you know, they would have them put together for weddings or kits because I had a whole line of kits and boxes at one point. And I remember this woman walked in and she was dropping them off for me and she slammed her hand on the desk and she said, what is with those flickers? I said, flickers? I said, what are flickers? And she said, you know, those guys. And she took her finger right by her mouth and she said, they're like this. They just sort of flick around on the clitoris. She said, that isn't what I want. And I said, okay. She said, tell them to suck on us like they want us to suck on them. I said, I will, I will let them know. But what she was saying, which is so true, is that they were thinking that what they were seeing on porn was what worked for women. The thing about porn is first thing, it's someone else's fantasy. It is what they, and here's the big thing, they need to get a shot. They need to be able to see this thing so that the person who's masturbating to it can see this going on. But for many women, that is not at all what works. They need to have the combination of heat, pressure, and moisture. That's what they need. And the nerves of the clitoris are some of the most sensitive nerves, but the clitoral nerves themselves also go down on either side of the entry into the vagina. So there's a lot more there to play with than people have any idea. Now, when we come back, I'm going to continue. We're coming up to uh, about 25, 20 seconds. When we come back, I'm going to be going over more things that I will be discussing tomorrow for, <clears throat> excuse me, this seminar and give them the, you know, the real skinny on what some of this information is. Because if they're getting it solely from the internet, chances are they're getting garbage information. Okay, here come the tunes and Roy will put us out and I'll be back right after this. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. 
one hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all kringle crangled and jitterty jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Again, please remember, if you have any questions, you can just go to my website, loupaget.com. Uh, type in a question. It comes to me. I'm the only one who answers it. And also, um, I'm going to be part of the Dynamic Women uh, did three different segments with them. Those will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Not sure um, what dates, but they're going to be about um, dealing with rejection. Where you are named in your family was another one of them. And I'm drawing a blank on the other one, but it'll come back. Uh, anyways, they were very fun with Sandra Beck and uh, Linda Crater. So one of the things people will often ask me about is they, you know, what do I do if, here's the thing, both sexes fake orgasms. It may not seem like they can, but they do. And the main reason they both do is because they know nothing's going to happen or they're getting sore or there's not enough sensation. So what I try to get people to realize is that if there is a, if you're not being honest about what's happening in your sexual activity with someone, you're basically given someone corrupt software to deal with. And for most people, they try to remember, particularly males, what worked, and they have their go-to things that they do. And I'll use as an example, a married couple, they were both uh, athletes, they were both track team, and they got married and had a little girl. And their sex life 
just went out the door. In addition to which, they had a family bed. So they had the baby in bed with them. And so they said, what, you know, what can they do? And I, I asked them, so what I do, again, as I said before, I don't often do couples sessions because they don't tell the truth in front of one another. So if I do do a couples thing, I talk to them separately, then I bring them together. Because what happens is they will then tell me something they should have told their partner. And I will use this as an example. They uh, were young. They're, you know, uh, really crazy about one another, but they just, their sex life had just literally tanked, which for many young parents, it's exactly what happens. So I had asked her, I specifically go first. I have the women go first because men are used to being, uh, going first for everything. If you ever noticed, walked into a restaurant, the closest bathroom is always the men's. Interesting. Hmm? Um, so anyways, I asked her, I said, would you, you know, all the things she might like to try. And she says, Oh, that'd be fun. And I said, now, would you be interested in potentially using some toys or, you know, call them marital aids, call them whatever you want. And she said, sure. She said, we don't have much time. She said, I'd be fine to use. She said, I, yeah, that would be great for me. And I said, okay. So her husband, I asked him, I says, now, what are the things I said, I know you have very limited time now. And you know, she's, you know, a toddler now. So there's even less time because you're running around watching her. And he said, well, you know, I do, I, I, I have my go-to moves and I, I go to this one and then I, and then I go to this one. And if that's not working, then I, then I go to this one. And if that's, and I, and I looked at him, I said, that must be exhausting. He said, well, it is kind of. And I said, well, how about if you knew you had 15 minutes and you could do something in 15 minutes? He goes, oh, man. He said, I would do that right away. I said, would you consider using some marital aids, some sex toys? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. That's for other people. And I said, well, I just thought I'd let you know. Your wife thought it was a great idea. And he was like, what? I said, absolutely. She said she'd be into it. Absolutely. Because you guys don't have as much time. He said, you are kidding. I said, nope. So here's an example. She was open to it. He thought that that was not okay because they came from a very religious background. And I said, look, this is between the two of you. This is no one else's business, but yours. And if you choose to, you know, you know, tie one another up with, you know, stockings or whatever you want to do, that's your choice. If you want to use a, you know, something as a little blindfold, go for it. You want to use a vibrator? That's going to be one of your closest friends. And then they had filmed this for um, a show. <laughs> and the um, husband was, he was doing his happy dance <laughs> and bouncing around. He was going, da, 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 yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, Lou, yeah, yeah, Lou. And what it was is that it gave an opening for them to try something they never expected. And they just had so much fun and it totally changed the dynamic of their relationship and their sexual connection with one another. And here's the other thing. I mean, we have to understand that, you know, there are different fantasies people want to play out. There's different ideas people would like to try. And when they try them, they want to know that 
you know, there's going to be an openness and a, you know, a not judgment about it. So when you are doing, if you want to do something that might be considered to be kink, let's say it's uh, power play, bondage dominance, or, you know, masochistic, sadistic, um, it really boils down to what you would like to try. And not that someone else, and I will tell you, having gone to some of the conventions for people who are, you know, into a broad range of, you know, kink activities, they are very, um, they're very professional about what they do. They, uh, everything is negotiated. If it's pony play, if it's, you know, uh, someone is going to put you into like this cube and then it's literally like the air's all sucked out. So the person ends up sort of like, you know, like held in space in this cube and then people, you know, they have to have permission. And I watch them ask permission to, you know, use sex toys on this person. And the thing that most people want is they want to be able to have pleasure. They want to be heard and they want to be understood. And if someone is, doesn't want to respect you, what your boundaries are, don't go there. Say, that's it. Sorry. Too bad. So sad. Must leave. And what I've also found is that sometimes the more conservative a culture is, invariably, there's a lot more playing out of unusual and, you know, unique sexual uh, behaviors. In Asia, they have some of the most amazing sex toys to mimic masturbating, to mimic all kinds of things you know, the, the sex toy dolls that look literally like a human being. Again, this is, you know, hey, you know, some people, this is the type of relationship they want to have. So be it. It's not for me to know. But the other thing that I want people to know is that their body is, has so much more capacity for sensation than they knew. There are two sets of sexual nerves for both women and for men. So there's more playground there than people knew. Women are capable of having 11 different types of orgasms. Men, nine. You know, so sad, too bad. We're a little more complicated. We have more nerves down there. <laughs> so, but it is really, and it isn't when I say this in the seminar, I can see people going, oh, I better, uh, I better make sure I uh, get all of those. And it's not about, you know, you have to have a checklist and do all 11. It's more as one of my mentors, Dr. Beverly Whipple, and she was the woman who, along with Lattice Cannon Perry, named the G-spot the G-spot. And she's you know, a researcher in the area of uh, women's sexual function. And you know, her comment was, I don't want to tell people everyone should be having the same sex. God forbid. That is so boring. That means we'd only have one restaurant. But it's that she wanted to validate for others that this is something that would be happening for them. So that if there are, I mean, I know of some women who can orgasm um, just by fantasizing. As my one friend says when we were doing an interview and Tara says, oh my God, I want to know about that class. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, this is called focus. But these, I mean, some women and men can have an orgasm strictly from nipple play. So we are seeing more people 
experimenting with different things and adding a broader base to what they are, you know, what's occurring in their life. Because for many, the only time that they would have someone in their life would often be, you know, their first partner and people would stay together for a period of time. They'd learn X, Y, but now people are more, there's more of whether you call it hookup, whether you call it, I'm just interested, you know, in this for a period of time, swipe left, you know, swipe right. But the real thing that happens for many people is they get a broad base of what they'd like to try. And they might say, you know, I think I'd like to try, a, you know, a threesome. I'd like to, you know, I want to have an open relationship. Okay. Um, they may close it. They may leave it open. But again, these things are very much negotiated in a relationship. And one thing that people also have to be aware of is how any medication that they're on could be affecting their sexual sensation or sexual functioning, particularly antidepressants and anti-anxiety. They will wipe out libido, you can become anorgasmic, and it can also create what they refer to as genital anesthesia. In other words, you don't feel anything. Now that's not exactly exciting, is it? So <clears throat> when, when I do these presentations for people, most important thing for me is that I want them to walk away with at least one thing that's new, or as I call it, a brain grenade, so that they have had something new that you know jumped onto their horizon for them. The true definition of what bisexuality is. It's not that you wanna do something, it's not that you did something, it is that you identify as being bisexual. That's the true definition. Any questions you have, please go to my website, loopadget.com. You can get the free ebook there, should you be interested. And this is the end of the show here. Thank you for being with me. And Roy's gonna bring up the tunes. for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 